All right, good morning. How we doing? All right, man, I'm excited to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Billy. Uh, I get the privilege to serve at our Vidalia campus and uh, pastor those guys over there. Uh, man, I'm so pumped up about what God is doing there and what God is doing here. Um, I pray for y'all uh, on a weekly basis. I want y'all to know that. Um, me and Jeremy have been close ever since we uh, started the church together. I didn't know him before that. Um, I had met uh, a guy over in Vidalia by the name of Jake Daly, who was from Millen. Uh, I didn't even know where Millen was. And uh, then I got connected uh, through him to meet Jeremy and, and meet um, Sam and Lindsay. And, and I just want y'all to know how blessed you guys are to have the staff that y'all have. Um, there are not many churches um, around, and I can say this without getting darts thrown at me, that have people of high character uh, that lead them, people that are the same person when they're up here talking to you as they are during the week. And uh, I can tell you this from walking beside all three of them, um, man, that they love Jesus, and the same person you get up here is the same person away from here. And that's why I believe God is going to continue to bless Millen, and you guys are going to continue to transform um, this community. I mean, what, there's 9,000 people, I think, in Jenkins County. Um, and so we're sitting here uh, with 100, 125. And so I just believe God has a lot of work left to do um, here. And I believe you guys are a part of that work. And Jeremy and I talk a lot about how um, the church is not about an awesome Sunday service, right? So it's not about me getting up here and giving you guys the best sermon you've ever heard. Um, or Sam getting up here and though she sings beautifully and is awesome at playing guitar and all that and leading us, it's, that's not what the service is about. The church has never been a Sunday service. It's never been a building. Uh, it's never been any of that. The church is a group of people uh, that have the Holy Spirit, uh, that love God and that love his mission and want to reflect him to the world around them. And God has certainly placed you guys by his sovereignty in Millen, in Jenkins County, uh, in Screven County, wherever you guys come from, uh, by design and on purpose. Um, and he saved you on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose is to take Jesus to people that largely would probably never get to see Jesus. Or the Jesus that they're getting to see is not the same Jesus that we read about in Scripture. Amen? And that's what God uh, wants for Millen. And I, that's what I want for you guys. That's what I pray for y'all and, uh, man, I'm just praying that I can come and fire you guys up a little bit. Y'all look kind of dead. Y'all look a little, uh, a, a little kind of uh, low this morning. I just want you to know Jesus is alive. Amen? And Jesus has got a plan. And it's a good plan, right? And that plan is to do something that only he can take credit for. And it's beyond whether, what you can ask or imagine. And uh, I can just tell you from uh, being a church plant in a small town over in Vidalia over the past four years, uh, that, that God has taken us on a roller coaster. Uh, we didn't really grow that much last year. Um, and I was kind of like, what in the world's going on, God? I thought we were here to, you know, bust the, the gates of heaven open and, and attack hell with water pistols. And, you know, we're not growing. What's going on? And uh, God was giving us some time uh, to, to, to raise up and develop leaders uh, that could sustain the growth that he was coming with. And, and so here's what I want you guys to hear this morning. I know y'all are kind of in the place where we were in last year. Do not take this time for granted. God is going to use some of you to lead the people that he's going to reach through y'all. And so that means you got to get ready, right? You, you got to be growing. You got to get to a point where you can teach other people how to follow Christ. And not just teach them by word, but show them, 
right? And so we got to begin to ask ourselves, okay, God, what are you trying to do to me in the season uh, that I'm in right now? And I just believe God has you guys in a sweet season. Every time I come over here, there's just such a sweet spirit about Millen, and, and I love um, I love your pastor. I, I love Sam. I love Lindsay, and I'm just excited um, for you guys. And so if you got your Bibles, I want you to open up uh, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, this is probably uh, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. And uh, if you came to Vida, you would know I say that pretty much every week, but I really mean it. Philippians 3 is probably one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Uh, even before I knew what I was doing in the Christian faith and really became a disciple, I loved Philippians 3.10 where Paul says, I just want to know Christ. I read something about that, and it just got me fired up because it's like, I don't know what that means, but I want what he wants, and it just gets me fired up thinking about it. And so um, Philippians 3, uh, chapter of verses 1 through 14, uh, if, if this is your first time or you're not catching on with what we've kind of been doing on Sunday mornings, uh, how many of you guys are familiar with the 412 reading plan? Everybody know where we're at with that? Uh, 412 is something we're doing uh, campus-wide where basically uh, we feel like the most effective thing we can do as a staff for you is teach you how to spend time with God and teach you how to connect with God because when you connect with God, that's where God begins to transform your life from the inside out. And so we've been kind of walking along that. And so this week you should have read Philippians. And so I'm just going to kind of share probably what you already know and uh, we're going to do it together. Sound like a plan? All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for each person sitting in this room right now. Uh, God, I thank you for where they are in their walk with you. Uh, God, I thank you for the people in here that, uh, God, don't know you. God, I thank you for the people in the room that think they know you, but they don't. God, I thank you for the people in this room that are going through a tough time. I thank you for the people in this room that are in a good time. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room that are here to meet with you. God, that want to know what their next step is in their relationship with you. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you would do what I can't do. And that's make it clear to them through the power of your Holy Spirit exactly what you want to do in their heart, God. And I pray that we would respond in the posture of obedience um, so that you can lead us and guide us to the good things that you have for us this morning. So, Lord, we love you. Speak to our hearts this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. If you got your Bibles, you can open with me. Um, if not, here we go. Philippians 3, 1. It says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. That's strong language right there. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit. Listen to the contrast. He's saying there's a group of people that, that they're, they're dogs, they're mutilators of the flesh, they're evildoers. And here's what separates us from them. We are the circumcision. We're the people of God is what that means. We who serve God by his spirit. We're the ones that have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. We're the ones who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
listen to this. Paul's going to kind of give his, uh, his resume here. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. That means you're a big deal in the, in the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. That means that's the, Benj- that's the tribe that Jesus came from. That's a big deal. A Hebrew of Hebrews. I was, the, I was a part of the greatest sect of the Hebrews. In regard to the law of Pharisee. I knew what I was doing in the Pharisee. If you want to judge me on the side of knowing the law and doing what the law says and and, and that, I was a Pharisee. I was at the top of my game in that. He says, as for zeal, I was persecuting the church. I was the one on the front lines fighting the battles against the church. If you're here and you're about the law, listen, I'm better than you are. Uh, He goes on to say, uh, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. I followed the law to a degree. Why would he do this? I want you to understand, Paul goes into his reputation because these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh, these people that were coming into the church at Philippi that were leading them astray, they would hold up their resume and say, look at me, look at who I am. You need to follow me because this is what I got. I got a reputation. Right? It's kind of like you working at your job and maybe a new boss comes in and he's been a boss that has led something uh, that, that has been successful. And he comes in and he says, listen, we're going to do it my way because my way works. Because look at this. This is where the company was when I got here. This it was when I got there. And Paul's saying, listen, I don't care what they're saying and what they're saying about their reputation. I'm better than they are at their reputation that they're proclaiming to have. But listen, I'm not hanging on a reputation because, listen, our church isn't built on a reputation of man. It's built on the reputation of God. That's what he's saying. He keeps on going. Listen here. He says, verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Listen, all this reputation stuff they're talking about, I consider uh, they were gains to me when I wasn't of Christ, but now that I'm in Christ, it means nothing. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss. Why, Paul? Because of their surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I consider everything a loss. Nothing that I did before Christ even matters. All I want to do, or even when I became a Christian, it doesn't matter. What matters to me is that I know Christ because that's what's of supreme worth in my life. For whose sake I have lost all things. Paul's writing this from jail, by the way. He's lost everything. And he's like, listen, I don't care what I lose because what I lose is in no comparison to what I gain when I get to know the God of the universe and walk with him. Listen to him. He says, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Garbage is a strong word. It means rubbish. It actually means uh, crap to to just be straight up southern with y'all. So um, it, it means I consider them crap that I may gain Christ. Paul's using some strong language. He says, and be found in him. He says, I want to gain Christ. I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. It's not about me and what I've done or what I can do or trying to, trying to add up and be all these things that come from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection 
from the dead. Paul just says, I just want to know Christ. I want to experience Christ. I don't care about rule following. I don't care about all the things that they're doing at all the other churches. I want to know Christ and experience Christ and be with Christ and be found in Christ when Christ comes back. I want to know the way he suffered. If that makes me know him more, I want to suffer the way he suffered so that I can know Christ more. Whatever it took for him to know Christ, relationship, know Christ, Paul said, that's what I want. He's writing this from jail. Remember, he's in jail because of his desire to know Christ. He's writing this from jail and somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this, nor have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's so interesting. He says, listen, I've not arrived. I know some of y'all think I'm a big deal because I'm in jail and I've written some of the Bible and I've got all these accolades that I could hold up. But listen, I've not even arrived yet. Christ has taken hold of me for more than what he's done in my life right now. So I press on because, listen, I want the good things that God has for me. And listen, if I ever get to a place where I feel like I've arrived, then I get complacent. And I kind of stop growing. I quit taking next steps. And because of that, I miss out on the good works that God has prepared for me beforehand. Think about that. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, listen to Paul's mindset, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you can't tell, Paul's frustrated, right? If you don't know anything about the church at Philippi, the church at Philippi was kind of one of Paul's uh, good church plants, so to speak. You know, we went through Corinthians. Y'all figured out there's some messed up people. They make you feel good about yourself, right? Uh, We went through a couple different churches, but Philippi was an incredible place. Uh, If you remember back in the book of Acts, Paul was praying one day and God gave him a vision of some people who needed him in Macedonia, right? And he had been trying to go to a bunch of different places, go this way, that way, that way. And and God came to him in a vision and a dream and said, listen, you need to go here. Philippi was where he went. He got to Philippi. The first four people he met got saved. One of them was a girl named Lydia. She happened to be the richest person in the town of Philippi. She brought the the church into her home. The next person was a slave girl that was following him around and telling, you know, just kind of yelling stuff. He said, listen, you need to get saved. Boom, cast the demon out. She got saved. The next person, they locked him up and put him in jail. Guess what happened to the jailer? Saved, him and his whole family. So he had this incredible experience in Philippi that really just got to a point where, man, God was doing some incredible things, but Paul would only stay in these places for a short amount of time. He would raise up a leadership team, and then he would move forward. Well, when he had got forward away from Philippi, what happened is he had heard some things were happening. He had heard some dogs were coming into the church at Philippi. And what they were doing is they were taking the gospel that saved all those people, the ones that transformed the lives of those three or four people that started the church of Philippi, and they were turning it into religion. They were turning it into rules. You need to do this, this, and this. It isn't about God. It's not about the gospel. It's not about what Jesus had done for you. This is about you and you adding up and you doing this and this and this. And Paul was mad. 
He was frustrated. And so what he wrote to was this frustration. And really even in the whole New Testament, Paul's biggest frustration with the church and all of the churches that he planted was after he would leave these, these Judaizers, these people who were kind of church folk, so to speak, would come into the churches and they would take the attention off of what Christ did on the cross and they would put it on you and I to follow some rules. And he would call it religion. And that's what he called it. It's where the emphasis is on you following rules and on you and not on Christ and Christ's work on the cross and, and, and the righteousness that we get through that. This is why Paul addressed the focus on building the resume. I've always read that and thought like, man, it sounds like Paul's just being arrogant. Why is he throwing out his resume and just talking about this, this, and this? Well, he's doing that because that's what the teachers were doing. They were the ones throwing out the resume and giving all this stuff. I want you to think about what a resume is. When you give a resume to a job site or you give it to a, when you're applying for a job, what you're doing basically is this. It's your argument for acceptance. It's your argument for why they should accept you for the position. Right? And so listen, there's a few of us in this room, maybe most of us, I've been here too, I know where you're at, is you spend your life building an argument hoping that in the end it'll be good enough for God to accept you based on your resume. That's religion. That's what it is. It's when we begin to make it about our works and we begin to do a bunch of things and, 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 and our God's love for us becomes dependent on what we do. Right? And so we, 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 we make it about us. And tell, I'm telling you, we live in the Bible Belt. I know you guys are no different than my people over in Vidalia. Um, um, that's how it is. That's how I grew up. That's what the, the church was preaching. It was kind of a fad we went through in the South where, man, if you want to be a part of this church, you got to dress this way. you got to be this color. you got to do this, 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 and this. And that's kind of how it worked out. And so what happened is the church became a country club of the same people that did the same things and not a group of diverse people that love Jesus and have been redeemed by what Christ has done on the cross. And that frustrates Paul. And largely, I think Paul would be frustrated a lot with the church today if, if he came in and he would preach some very tough stuff that we have to begin to move forward with as if he had come and preached it to us. So today, here's what I want to do in my final uh, 20 minutes right here, um, if y'all let me. I just want to talk about three things that I think we can learn from Paul. Three things that I think, very practical things that we can learn from Paul. The first one is this. I want you to write this down. Verses 1 through 11, watch out for religion, focus on a relationship with Jesus. Listen, we cannot assume that we're any different than any of the other churches in the Bible, right? We can't assume that we get it and nobody else does because Satan's attack on the church has been the same since the beginning. Listen, he, his biggest attack on you and I is to get us focused on doing things or going through the motions of the church or reading our Bibles out of uh, duty or coming to church out of duty or, or, or doing the things that Christians do out of duty without the fact of giving our heart to Christ and it overflowing out of a heart that understands what Christ has done for us. And listen, Satan's as alive today as he's ever been. And listen, I've been pastoring the church in Vidalia for four years. I was in Statesboro before that for three and a half years. I'm telling you, it's no different anywhere you go. I know it's the same thing that's going on in Millen. We have to watch out for religion. 
Because when it seeps in, it gets contagious. And what happens is we end up with the church that's the same type of people that do the same exact things, that have to fit a, a certain mold to fit in. Religion just brings all kind of things that are not good because really there's two paths that Christians can go down. I say Christians, uh, for you and I, let's say we're, we are born again. We're a believer. We're following God. Listen, we're not past this. I still struggle with this. Jeremy still struggles with this. Anybody, it doesn't matter who you are in your faith, there's two paths you can go down. Either you can focus on a relationship with God, and you can grow in your relationship with God, or you'll get caught up in religion. And here's the thing. Even Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They tried to cover themselves. That's religion. And so listen, our normal tendency, our autopilot, our natural drift, our proneness to wonder is not into a relationship with God. It's actually into religion. Think about it. What would a selfish person do with Jesus and everything that he's done for us? They would make it about them. Well, I'm here to tell you every person in this room is selfish. You guys are infected with sin the same way I am. And we will make this thing about ourselves if we do not focus on making it about Christ and do not fix our eyes on Jesus and what he's done for us. So I want to ask you two questions under this first point. Uh, the first one's letter A. How do I recognize when I'm in religion in my own life? So, Billy, how do I know when I'm walking in religion? Because, listen, Satan is not a... He's not as obvious as you may think he would be, right? And our sin is not as obvious as you think it would be. It's really deception, and it's cunning. It's crafty. And so, listen, we got to be able to recognize when we wander into religion. The first thing, I can just tell you from my own life, this is how I know when I've drifted into religion. The first one is this. Am I prideful or do I feel like a failure? Am I prideful or do I feel like a failure? Um, another way to think about this is, is when our relationship with God and our acceptance before God is not based on the cross and God's righteousness that he's given to us through Christ, what happens is we become like a wave. Because listen, our acceptance before God is based on what we do. And here's the thing I know. Every person in this room is up and down. Sometimes we wake up, we have a great day. As a Christian, we wake up, we read our Bible, we pray, uh, we, we're focused on the mission of God, uh, we worship God throughout our day, but some days we don't. Some days we wake up, we just have a terrible day, we wake up late, our kid's in a bad mood, can't get him in the car, we're cussing out people because they're cutting us off in traffic, somebody at work's waiting on us and they're just pissing us off too. I mean, I know, listen, I'm with you. We walk through the same exact stuff. And what happens is if our acceptance before God is based on our behavior, then we'll be like this. But listen, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that our acceptance before God is not based on what we do or what we don't do. Our acceptance before God is based on Christ and what he's already done. We don't fight for victory anymore. We've already won. Think about it. I, I better not say that. Uh, Vidaya, we, 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 you know, think if you're on a bad football team, right? Y'all don't know anything about that in Jenkins County, dude. Um, yeah, a bad football team. Think about it. If, if you went out there and knew that you had already won the game, wouldn't you play it differently? You'd have fun because you knew no matter what you did or what you didn't do, y'all were going to win this football game. That's how we should live as Christians. 
It don't matter what comes in this world. What we face, what's good, what's bad, we know that God's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? When we hit a little tight spot or when we hit a little time where, man, things just ain't going our way, if we're in Christ, we're fine because God's working this thing out. And listen, we can't be, another question to ask is, does my sin push me to God or away from God? That's how I know if I'm falling into religion, then then. I'll just dwell on my mistakes, you know, and I'll get so ashamed of, man, I'm a preacher, I ought not to do this, or I shouldn't fall into this, or man, I ought to be better than that. And what happens is I'll run away from God because I think God's mad at me. Because again, God's love for me is based on what in religion? What I do and what I don't do. So when I don't do something right, the last person I want to go see is this principal God that's waiting on me, right? But that's a lie. God's love for us is based off of Christ and Christ's sacrifice on the cross. I'm telling you, this is a game changer, and this is why Paul talks about it so much. Another question you can ask yourself is, am I going through the motions? When I fall into religion, I just start going through the motions. Listen, does anybody here know what you're supposed to do as a Christian? Most everybody in here would say, Billy, if you ask me what I'm supposed to do as a Christian, you would say, well, I'm supposed to go to church supposed to read my Bible, uh, I'm supposed to be nice to people, pray for people, I'm supposed to say these things and say this, I'm supposed to not, uh, you know, do these certain things and, and those certain things. You, you know that. But listen, when we begin to focus on what to do and what not to do, more than we focus on Christ and more than we pursue Jesus, what happens is it, it just robs us of the joy. It becomes... You remember when you were a little kid and you had to walk in a line everywhere you went? I mean, my, my niece uh, started school in pre-K for the first time uh, this year. And I said, well, babe, how, how's school going? Like, what, what you think about school? And she's like, man, we always got to stand in lines. I line this, line that. I don't need to stand in a line. I just want to go to the bathroom. Why do we all got to go to the bathroom together and then stand in a line and wait for everybody else? Nobody wants to do that. Christ didn't die for you to follow rules. Christ died to transform your heart so that you can be a reflection of him through the way you live your life. Listen, if we go down that religious path, I'm telling you, we'll begin to judge other people because they're not just like us. We'll begin this, this arrogance will come about us. We'll just be so up and down. It's not what God wants. It leads to misery. I'm telling you, I've been there. The second question under this is, is letter B. How do I know that I'm walking in a relationship with Jesus? So not how do I recognize religion, but also how do I know when I'm walking in a relationship with Jesus? I say this, it seems like a basic question, but I'm telling you. This is, this is something that Satan wants to confuse in our minds. How do you know if you're in a relationship with God? How do you know that I'm not here to preach this message to you because you're in religion? How do you know that? Because listen, the reason they're called blind spots is because we can't see them. So we have to have the posture to ask ourselves, am I the one walking in religion? And is, is Paul talking to me through this? So how do I know if I'm in a relationship with God? You just got to ask yourself some questions. What does a relationship with God look like? Or what does a relationship look like with your spouse? You communicate with them, right? It wouldn't work very well if, if I just never talked to my wife. We wouldn't have a relationship, right? It wouldn't work real well if I never spent time with my wife. And not just spent time meaning 
being somewhere that she is, but actually talk to her. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a relationship if I didn't spend enough time with her that I actually knew her and knew what made her mad, what made her sad, what made her happy. If I didn't know those things, then I really wouldn't know her. Listen to me. If we want to walk in a relationship with God, that's what it's got to be like. we got to communicate with God. we got to know Him and spend enough time with Him so that we actually know the God of the Bible. Because listen to me, I believe the biggest deception in the church as we continue to move forward into this post-Christian world that we're all going to live in is people under the name of Christianity worshiping a God that looks like a Christian of what we know it, but it's so far from the God of the Bible, it ain't even funny. Because listen, our natural tendency is to create a God that agrees with us on everything, that, create, that agrees with the way that we've been raised, even the sinful parts of it, that agrees with all the things that we think about politics, even though we, it might be wrong. And what happens is when the God of the Bible starts to confront some of these issues and you and God disagree, we kind of take a, a, a spin and say, well, that's not my God. Here's my God. And if we're not careful, what happens is the God that we spend time with and the God that we follow is actually ourselves. And listen, Satan loves that because you can still claim to be a Christian and follow yourself. And you can feel good about it. Listen to me. And you can go to a lot of churches that are okay with it. And they'll agree with you about it. But listen, if we're going to have a relationship with the God of the Bible, we got to know this word. we got to spend time with God. we got to pray. we got to come to church, hear people who have the gift of teaching. we gotta, we got to love people. we got to surround ourselves with folks that want to know the same thing that we do, which is God himself. And listen to me we got to begin to read the Bible to know God and not just to check it off a box. That's how we know if we're in a relationship with God. Am I spending time with him? Am I talking to him? Am I walking with him? Do I really know the God of the Bible or have I created a God of myself? The second point is this. The second thing we can learn from, from Paul is this. Never assume that you've already arrived. Never assume that you have already arrived. Sounds like a, a, a basic thing, but I want you to listen. Verse 12, Paul says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I love that. Do you not love that? He says, listen, I press on so that I can take hold of what God has already taken a hold of for me. That's such a beautiful thing to think about. Listen to me. We can never assume that we've already arrived. The worst mistake you can make as a Christian is to assume that you already arrived. By that I mean it means that you're already mature. It means that you've already gotten to the point where God wants you to be. This is where religion kicks in because religion tells you, listen, if you don't drink Bud Light on the, on the weekends with your buddies, if you don't cuss, you don't smoke, if you don't hang out with this group of people and you don't go to the parties, if you go to church on Sunday, then you're good. You've arrived. Man, you're, you're ahead of everybody else. As long as people don't look at you and say, man, that boy's lost. And you're a good person and you do good things, you've arrived. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says 
that knowing Christ is what it means to be a Christian. Think about it. What does Matthew 7 say? That many people are going to stand before God at the end times and they're going to say, God, I did all these things in your name. I went to church. I read the Bible. I was a part of this. I was a part of that. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. we got to know God. That's what being a Christian is all about, a relationship with Jesus. And listen, we will never, God is so big and so endless that we will never in this lifetime know all of who God is. Listen, I've been at this thing for 10 years of my life. Some of y'all are like, 10 years, I've been at it for 45. That's fine. But listen, we never arrive. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're just getting started. It doesn't matter if you're lost and you're about to start a relationship with God today or whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years. You never arrive. God will always be urging you and pushing you and convicting you of areas of your life where you need to surrender, of next steps you need to take, people you need to begin praying for and building relationships with. It never ends. And listen to me. Your joy is linked to you continuing to take steps forward. Listen to me. Here's what I love. We got a lady in, in Vidalia um, that started coming probably a couple months ago. She's 93 years old. We don't see that a lot at Connection. I don't know about y'all, but, I mean, it, we, we're more of a young family style. You know, the older folks walk in our church. They're like, well, I just can't stand the music. A little loud for me. Um, you know, uh, jeans, and uh, I just can't get past that. But 93 years old, she walks in, she loves it. I'm, she comes in on a little walker, and I try to track her down, but she's so fast, man. She, she gets in or whatever, and here's the cool thing. She don't even know who I am. She don't even know that I'm the person on stage, and I love that because everybody else does, and they change the way they talk to me because I'm the preacher. But she don't because she can't see. And so she walks in, and I always walk up beside her, and I say, hey, how you doing? Did you have a good week? Let me help you to your seat, walk you in, and load this or whatever. Every Sunday she'll say, now, who are you, honey? <laughs> and she'll talk, and I say, well, you know, I said, well, why do you come to, why do you, what, what made you choose this church? Like, what, what do you like about this church? And, and she said, I feel the presence of God here. That's what she told me the first time, but I think now she knows who I am, so she'll say, well, that young preacher up there, he's so good and all that stuff. But that's what I love about it is she, man, she wants to grow. She wants to be in the presence of God, and she wants to take next steps. She wants to do it. She's 93 years old and hasn't arrived yet. I want you to listen, listen to this. You got to ask yourself the question. Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. Why did Jesus take hold of Paul? That's the question we got to answer. Because the reason he presses on is because it's for the reason that Jesus took hold of him. I want you to write a couple of these things down. Jesus took hold of Paul to make him a new man. The first part of God taking hold of Paul was so that he could become a new creation. So that he could literally leave his old life and become a new creation. Not on his own will, but under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's one reason he took a hold of him. The second reason is so that he could become like Christ. So God could conform him to his image. Listen, that's our purpose as a Christian is to become more like Jesus. So listen, if we've been a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but our life doesn't look more like Christ than it did a year ago or two years ago or five years ago or six months ago, then we, we've lost it. We're, we're probably falling into religion. We're not pressing on because, listen, we have to have a teachable heart. 
The posture of a true Christian is humility. It's God, show me areas of my life that don't look like yours so that when I leave this place or when I walk in this world, I can reflect you to these people that need you so bad that if they don't get it, if they don't see you, if they don't see you in the way that I treat them, they're going to die and go to hell for eternity. Listen, this is a big deal because, listen, the best evangelistic tool in the entire world is your life. The way you talk, the way you love people, the way you live your life outside of these four walls is the best evangelistic tool in the entire community of Millen. I don't need to talk about them. The third thing, I'm running out of time. So number three. Adopt this daily attitude. So the third thing we can learn from Paul is this. I think Paul wants us to adopt this attitude. Adopt this daily attitude. And this is what it is. Forget the past and press on towards what is ahead. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I've said the entire day, this is it. Every day I want you to wake up and I want you to adopt this mindset. I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm forgetting the past. Anything that happened in the past, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, and I'm going to press on toward, toward what it is that I'm moving towards, toward the prize in Christ Jesus is what Paul calls it. But I'm going to press in. I'm going to forget what lies behind. How would that look in your life if you forgot what was in the past? For some of us, we're like, amen, brother, I need to forget that, you know. But for some of us, we've done some good things in the past. Maybe we've led a couple people to the Lord. Maybe we were a part of Millen when it started as a church, and we feel good about that. Maybe we got perfect Sunday school attendance at our old church or connect group attendance. We serve. We do all these things. And what happens is Satan knows that, and so he starts to get you to lull into complacency based off of what you've already done. Listen, Paul could have stopped at any minute, sat down, and said, man, I've, I've really lived my life well. I've done a lot for the kingdom of God. But he didn't do that. He never got to a point where he felt like he arrived. And what does it mean to do that? It means to adopt a daily mindset that, God, I'm, you're not done with me yet. If I ain't dead, you're not done. You got something else you want from me. You got something else you want to do in my life. God, I can know you more. I can make more of an impact for you for eternity. Listen, if we woke up every day with the mindset of, I'm just going to win today. I'm just going to win today. I mean, it's what all the college football teams, that's all they talk about. Georgia's theme is attack the day, right? It's, it's, uh, Nick Saban's is, is win today. Why is that? Just win the day. Don't worry about Saturday. Worry about today. Well, Jesus, is, it comes from God's word because God's mercies are new win every day. But here's the thing, if we don't need God's mercy to be new every day, then it really don't mean anything to us. But listen, the more we grow in Christ, the more messed up we see that we are. We're prone to wonder. Our sin is just a part of who we are. So we need to know that we need God's grace every day. And then when we come in here on Sunday mornings and we sing about who we are because of Christ, and we sing about the power of the cross, and we sing about what God has done for us, it does something in our hearts. We can't just stand here with our hands in our pockets. No, because it does something. Because I need the cross as much today as I've never I've ever needed it in my entire life. That's the way God wants us to live. What have you done for me lately? That's the mindset. What have you done for me lately? When today? I, begin, I believe if we will begin to live our lives with that mindset, 
man, God could do some incredible things for us. So as I get ready to close, I want you to just think about that. He says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the goal, towards the prize that is in Christ Jesus. What is he talking about? What is the prize? The prize is that we're going to get to meet Christ face to face one day. And for some of us, that excites us. I hope for all of us it excites us. But I know for me some days, because I'm drifted back into religion, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm ready. God, give me another day. But listen, when you think about meeting Christ, what comes to your mind? Are you excited about it? Are you going to know anything about him? Because listen, we don't just have to meet him one day and not know anything about him. Because God's given us the opportunity now to walk in a relationship with him where we can know him. Man, we can know him. I know he's invisible and you can't see him. But listen, the word was with God. The word is God. If we want to know God, know scripture, know the Bible. And I'm telling you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he begins to burst alive in our hearts so that when we see him face to face, it's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be an awesome day. And for some of us in this room, that scares us. For some of us in that room, we know we need to make some changes. We don't live every day forgetting what lies behind and moving forward towards what's ahead. So I just want you to bow your head where you're at. I just want you to think about where you are, not where the person to the right or where the person to the left of you is, but where are you? Listen to me. Do you have a relationship with God? Do you know the God of the Bible? Are you walking in a relationship with him? If you're not, today's the day where you need to start that relationship. And listen, all it starts with is a humble heart that says, God, I realize you created me to be in a relationship with you. Before the foundations of the earth, you created me to know you and to live for you. And there's nothing else on this earth that I was created to live for or to do. And today, I want to start that. I want to have a relationship with God. If that's you in the room, I just want you to lift your hand. Is that anybody in here? You'd say, Billy, that's me. I need a relationship with God. And for the rest of us, here's my prayer. Have you drifted into complacency? Have you drifted into religion? Have you quit taking next steps? Have you quit focusing on God and focused in on you? Is the mission of God important to you? Listen, are, are we living life in community? Are we getting ready to make disciples? Listen, maturity as a believer is not about knowing everything about the Bible. It's about knowing God and making other disciples that know God. For some of us in this room, we've never made one disciple. Not one. And listen, when we stand before God, he's going to say, Billy, did, did you do what I asked you to do? And if I hadn't made a disciple then I haven't. So this morning, what is it that God's asking you to do? What next step is it? Is it that you need to become a part of a church? You need to be in a small group. Maybe you need to start serving. Maybe for some of us, it's that we need to begin discipling somebody and investing what we know into somebody else and teaching them how to follow Christ. I don't know what it is for you this morning, but here's what I know. God's asking some of us to take some steps. And so as we play this last song, I'm just going to open up the altar and give you an opportunity. Maybe you need to respond. I don't know how you need to respond or what you need to, but I just want you to have that opportunity. For some of us, we don't need to come to the altar. We need to go to the next steps table. 
because we know what God's asking us to do. So, Father, I just pray. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, would you convict us to be the people that you've called us to be? Lord, I pray for this community. God, I pray for Millen. God, there's so many people here that do not know you. God, they're deceived. They think they do, but they don't. And God, you're raising up an army. God, kick us in the butt and tell us to go. That's what we need, Father. We, 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 there's no time left to waste. Father, help us live our life as if we were going to stand before you tomorrow, today even, because we never know it may be. Father, convict us, lead us, guide us. Lord, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name.